As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. We are back. A new episode of Wizards After Dark. And uh, I'm just going to get right into this because this isn't just a new episode. This is a special and important episode. This is this is about two competitors coming together to become allies, two rivalries getting together to form a friendship. And this is like the Justice League. <laughs> un- unfortunately, I've never seen Justice League, so I I guess now I know it. Not about. even like the cartoon on Cartoon Network? Nope. Like when you were a child, you didn't have a childhood. That's right. You were born at 35. <laughs> Not even 35. Born at 35, I said, but I said. Born at 35 and I've been progressively getting younger ever since. So I'll. Right. <laughs> You're Benjamin. Bunny. Exactly. I'll, I'll look at the Justice League in, in 20 years when it's Perfect. when it's still totally going to be cool and and completely within pop culture. Uh, that, on the other line, from the Washington Post, and, and I think covers the Washington Wizards, is uh, is Ava Wallace. <laughs> Hi. Hello. Back from back from Tokyo, back in Wizards land. Happy to be here. What's up? How, 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 how was the Olympics? That's like a dream of mine. Uh, <laughs> the Olympics were really dope, even though... They did everything in their power to make it not fun with um, all of the restrictions and everything. All obviously important restrictions, not that they're fun, but they are important. Um, and it was so weird. And we were like sequestered from actual Tokyo, but we still got to watch a bunch of people win medals in person and then talk to them after. And that was really, really awesome. That's like a dream of mine. I've always wanted to. That's like that's a that's a that's a bucket list career bucket list item for me covering the summer olympics yeah it was just i mean it was like like when you go out to track you're since there were no fans this time you're like sitting front row and you're just like watching these people like were past you and i'm like oh it seems faster in person than on tv like someone was like how'd you like the race after i watched the 100 meters and i was like i don't know it lasted 11 seconds i had like one thought in that time and it was like wow they run fast like it was just it was very cool very very cool got to see mr mr rui hachimura while i was there also that was fun yeah did you did you go to any of uh of the of the japan of the team japan uh basketball games i did i went to their first one which was very that one was like it made me kind of sad because it was their first it was the men's team it was their first time back in the olympics since 1976 so i feel like that would have been such a big 
cool thing. Um, the arena up there in Saitama is awesome. It's like not cavernous. It can it could expand to be bigger, but it was like pretty intimate, but not small. It was just a great size, and I just kept imagining all of the fans who would have been there because I cover, especially I covered um, USA Japan in the women's gold medal game, and that was the literally like one of the last events. So they let all of the um, volunteers at the arena sit in the stands and watch, and they were it was so heartwarming because you couldn't cheer or like yell crazily and in japan they're they're very big about following rules so all of the volunteers were sitting there very politely doing like soft coordinated like golf claps to support the team japan women and it was it was like (laughs) i was like oh my gosh i'm gonna tear up this is the thing i've ever seen it was really awesome so it was sad but also very cool so let's discuss uh you know i know the wizards were really excited about rui playing in the Olympics. They thought it would be really helpful for his development to be able to go up against, yeah. you know, that level of competition in that intensive an environment and, and being able to play the best players around the world. And, and also I think they like him getting some experience of being like a targeted guy. I think they yeah, like that. The yeah. yeah. They like that for his development. They liked that when he played in the FIBA world cup a few years ago as well with Japan. And they were, they, they thought that was big for him. Uh, and mm-hmm. what did you make of his Olympics? I I thought that that part was definitely the thing that like I would have taken away. It's just like not even just what is it like to be the guy because I think in in Japan, um, Rui has felt that you know for a while now with all the pressure and all the attention and everything like that. But he's one hundred percent their first scoring option, and he got all the attention of all the best defenses. Um, but I think carrying that on your shoulders is just a little bit different than when you're just a regular celebrity in Japan. Like, I mean, in my in my hotel, like if you went to the little convenience store thing, like his face is on all the like cup of noodle things there, um, which was really I was like shopping one night. I was like, ah, it's Rui. Um, <laughs> but it, it's it's also tough because I think when I think of like the Americans going and playing for their national team, there's usually somebody there where they can just kind of sit and watch and learn their leadership style. Um, like you've got a lot of younger players in that system who literally are just brought to Olympics and brought to World Cups and things like that to watch and learn and like one day learn how to be the point guard for Team USA or whatever. Um, Rui doesn't have that. So he kind of has to learn on the fly in terms of leadership and talking. Um, the first game that I saw, he was definitely a little bit more timid, but he makes such a difference. Like everybody was talking about they, Japan played all their exhibitions um, and Rui was only there, I believe, for the last two. And he just absolutely changed the game for them. So having that kind of like responsibility on his shoulders, I think it does, it does, it can only be good for a kid who the Wizards want to see speak up more and kind of accept more of that type of responsibility on their shoulders. Um, I didn't get to talk about, uh, talk to him at the end of his Olympics. So I, I would love to know kind of what he absorbed. But in the first game, uh, he definitely was, was super willing to step up to the plate and, and took that on. Yeah, I think it could help him from a reading defenses perspective too. Just from, mm-hmm. you know, one of the big things Especially with Rui. It's so different what you're seeing in the international game compared to what he sees in the NBA day to day. Totally, stylistically, it's completely different. But but one thing right. that that stays relatively similar is just that Rui's biggest. If if I were gonna condense Rui's largest flaws, if you give me a list of Rui's five biggest flaws on the court. I bet you all of them have something to do with quick decision-making. That's always been my mm-hmm. thing with Rui, that if, if you want to go as macro as possible, okay, what's the thing he needs to improve on 
it's other than you know a three point shot, which is more physical. Uh, but you know, you talk about passing, you talk about team defense, all those sorts of things. Those are all based, you know, cutting movement off the ball, like all those things are based on quick decision making. Uh, the only things that he really needs to improve on that aren't quick decision making is his three point shot, which even has an element of quick decision making because often he's just hesitant to shoot it, right? And that's a big part of it. He just kind of waits and he looks around, then he goes up not as confidently. Uh, and the other thing is his handle. And otherwise, everything is quick decision making. And him going up against defenses of that level when he's the first guy on the scouting report going into the game, that I think that can only, that can either, well, I guess I, I guess it could expose it, but I don't think it did. Uh, I think that's just a good thing. I don't thing. think it did either. Yeah, I think that's a yeah. good thing for him to go through and, and learn from, from a quick decision making standpoint. Especially without having someone like a Russell Westbrook or Brad on the court yet. Like, I mean, he, he wasn't having someone yelling at him, you know, down low what to do. He really had to kind of think through it and, and make that snap decision on his own for sure. Who is Russell Westbrook going to yell at this year on the Lakers? Like, last. Everybody. What are you talking about? Everybody. Like, I, what's going to happen? Oh, you mean who well, he's like, going to, like, take under his wing? No, I mean, like, like, Rui was the take under the wing guy, but it was, it was only because Rui didn't mind it when Russell yelled at him. If Rui minded it when yeah. Russell yelled at him, I mean, I feel like Rui was, I feel like these great players post uh, post LeBron heat, they all have their own Chalmers, where LeBron and mm-hmm. Wade would always just yell at Chalmers, and Chalmers just yeah. seemed to be totally cool with it the whole time. So who's not going to clap back? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, who's going to be, who's going to be the guy? I feel like Kendrick Nunn has uh, has Russell Westbrook and yell at me vibes. I was going to say the Lakers are like too old like <laughs> they're like too old to, to have some to have someone do that yeah none might be the that's true yeah. i think yeah i think none is just like the youngest guys so maybe he's just the de facto so like guy. by default yeah. yeah like that's gonna be that's gonna be yeah like i don't even kent bazemore's 32 right and his, he's like your age he can't be He's been getting younger for rough. three straight years. He was also born. Kim Bazemore is an old I, soul. He was also born at 35. I was also, I, but I always forget because he has kind of a baby face to me. So I'm always like, how old are you again? And then I'm like, oh, you're kind of old. So yeah, good luck to Russ. I feel, I feel like, like finding a yelling. I feel like your entire objective of this podcast is to expose my age. Is to make you feel old. Yeah. That's right. And you That's haven't gotten right. my age Come correct on. yet. <laughs> I, I, Fred, I don't know your age. 39, 31. Who's to say? Could be anything. For, All I know is I'm gonna outlive forty. <laughs> My brother and I have a bet on who can live longer. Well, that's kind of silly because who gets to collect? Well, it's gonna be really tough. Yeah, but it's <laughs> a good it's like bet. Right at the end, they're like on your deathbed. He's like, pay up. It's, like, I don't pay know. up is gonna be the last thing I say to him. That's the way it's Perfect. gonna work. <laughs> <laughs> good. That's nice. That's a nice thought for nine forty-five a.m. Um. I wanna I wanna discuss uh, for a second if you'll indulge me. I spoke to Wes Unseld at Las Vegas Summer League a couple of weeks ago, and who's that? He's oh that's right. Uh, you you only cover the Olympics now. I spoke to uh, mm-hmm. to new Washington Wizards head coach Wes Unseld Jr. Ooh. Yes, at Las Vegas Summer League. He was hired League. while I was on a plane to Asia, literally on the plane. I like. I'm like, oh, well, here we go. Okay. It's great. Good timing. Send the backup. Yeah. So I spoke to I spoke to Wes at Las Vegas Summer League a couple of weeks ago. 
just ran a story. We're recording this on, uh, what, Tuesday morning right now. Ran a story uh, this morning over at The Athletic. If you want to check it out, if you're not a subscriber, by the way, you can go to theathletic.com slash Wizards After Dark and sign up for a full subscription. You can read that story and every other story on The Athletic. And you can get this podcast and every podcast that we do ad-free on The Athletic app. So I don't know why you wouldn't go to theathletic.com slash Wizards After Dark and sign up there. You can read this story, though. You can see a lot of the stuff that he said, and I think we're going to... I don't want to put everything out there, because I like to give people a reason to read the story. Um, How was Wes to talk to? How is he just interacting with him as a person? um, He's exactly what everybody says about him. At least that was the vibe that I got. I mean, look, I'm a a huge believer. I, I don't like it when journalists say... Oh my God, I spent 12 minutes with this person. And, uh, you know, now I know everything there is to know about their character. What a wonderful person. But uh, I'd say he met my expectation. I thought he came off uh, exactly how everybody describes him, which is I thought he was, he was uh, like kind of very, very calm. He was mm. reserved in his opinions, uh, very friendly. Um, I thought, you know, it's the second time I've spoken to him. It was it was the first time I actually got to meet him in person uh, because, you know, we haven't been in person for anything. And it was it was so nice to get back to Las Vegas Summer League and just be around other people. And, you know, I got everyone's wearing a mask, myself included, obviously. I got tested three times in my first five days after I got back just to be safe. <laughs> uh but it was so nice just being around people, and uh, I think it was funny. I was I was at a Wizards practice, and I was standing next to somebody, at a, a, a Wizards person, and uh, the Wizards person turned to me. It was the first time I had been to a practice, because we didn't go to practices last year. Uh, it was the first time I had been to a Wizards practice since March of 2020, right? I mean, it's been a year and a half. Yeah. And I'm standing there at the practice, and I was like, I can't believe I'm at a practice. And 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 the Wizards front office person turned to me and said, Fred, this might be the first time of your career that people are excited to see you at this practice. Yeah. I was like, yeah, you might be right. And then he looks at me and says, eh, it'll change by Tuesday. I was going to say, never mind. <laughs> well, I mean, can I can I admit something wildly embarrassing to you? What's that? When I talk to Rui in the mix zone, because every most uh, – there's not there there are press conferences but most of the time when you're talking to athletes it's just like an informal there was a barrier between us so we kept three feet apart which by the way the social distancing in japan is three feet not six feet which i thought was interesting um time difference but, so he's coming the through time difference, that's and right. i'm like one of the few yeah 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 once you cross the international dateline it just the distance shrinks too um and i'm like one of the only english language speaking reporters talking to him and he has no idea who it's so clear like i'm like hey root and he like it was so there was just no recognition in his eyes. And I was just like, oh, my God, this person has only like seen me on Zoom and does not. Rec-. And I was just like, well, just got to roll with them. And I like clocked that and just like kept trying. I wasn't going to be like, it's me from the Wizards because I just had like questions. Answer, but I was just like, oh, my God, this is literally my worst nightmare. No one knows who I am. Uh, that's that's what this year was though i mean it's so it's so weird because normally when you're on a beat you're around these players and 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 people who work for the team and you're just around them every day 
you know? I mean, good thing and, they have all these new players. I'd have to introduce myself to everybody anyways. Yeah, they that's true. Well, they have you're just you're around players and and people who work for the team and and just staffers who are so behind the scenes that people in the public have no idea who they are, the the community service person and the equipment people and and whomever else, right? And and it's just we we haven't been around those people in so long, so it was it was nice just standing in front of Wes Unsell Jr. and just doing an interview and talking basketball. Uh, it was really nice. Yeah. He we we spoke about we we spoke about a bunch of stuff. We hit on a bunch of different topics. Uh, I I led this story with some observations, and and this was more of a personal observation for me because I think it's interesting and uh, it doesn't really wedge into a larger story. So I threw it into this where. You know, Bradley Beal is as good running around dribble handoffs as anybody else in the league. And Unsell just came from a team where he was with Jokic and Murray for literally both of their entire professional careers. And those guys are the best dribble handoff combination in the NBA, I think, in my opinion, and I think in most people's opinion. And it'll be really interesting to see if he brings a new wrinkle or two to Beal and, and makes Beal even better at that. I think you can make an argument that Beal is as good going around dribble handoffs as anybody else in the league. Talked about some rotational stuff. He called uh, Spencer Dimwitty a dynamic fit. He talked about. So, what do you yeah. think he meant by that? Just is it, when, when, because dynamic is such a word that we use and it just like means nothing in so many different things. But do you think he means with that, Spencer and Brad are going to be able to mold into whatever he wants? Like, does that mean versatility? Does that mean, like, what, what is he, what did you, glean from that when he used that kind of catch-all so this is my takeaway he -hmm. says at one point uh honestly the way they can score the ball they're going to bail us out of a lot of tough spots and i think he anticipates them just putting up a ton of points (laughs) (laughs) i think he anticipates them putting up a bunch of points uh and, and something that we we talked about at a, or I asked about, I should say, at a little bit greater level. And I didn't include any of the quotes because I didn't think there was much illuminating in that particular answer. But I think that was more because of me. I asked the question really stupidly. And mm. when you ask a question you. poorly, you get bad answers. Uh, and so I didn't include the quotes on it. But one thing that I think is really interesting about those two is their ability to get to the line. And, and mm. we did talk about that, uh, just their... You know, Dimwitty had a 44% free throw rate in his last healthy season, which was, Mm -hmm. you know, just how many free throws per field goal attempt he averaged. And that was, I mean, that is a ridiculously high number for a point guard. I I very few other guys. I mean, that's like Trey Trey Young level for for a point guard. He's elite at getting to the line. Beal was at 33% last year which is an excellent number for a shooting guard. Uh, if, if you've got a guard who's over 30, that's really a, a top-notch number. And, uh, you know, only two starting backcourts in the NBA last year I threw in the story had, had free throw rates over 30 for both, both their starting one and their starting two, and one of them was Beal and Westbrook. So I think their ability to prop up their efficiency with free throws is, is uh, going to be really interesting to follow and, and seeing ways that they're going to be able to get to the hoop. And I think on a on a greater level, when he talks about dynamic, uh, you know, I think he's just talking about like Bill's going to get thirty, and Dimwitty could get twenty or close to twenty or eighteen or sixteen or whatever you're going to say, and you know that's a that's kind of a high scoring backcourt, and if they can do it efficiently, then you know you've 
you've got a you know a nice you know a nice offensive combination at your guard spots. You've at least got a shot, yeah. Although, what do you think? What do you think when you hear dynamic point guard Spencer Dimwitty? Do you like the fit? I feel like I should just give you a platform, like the by the way, to just like, just here is your platform. Lay out your Wizards takes that you haven't laid out yet. I mean, just what I've been thinking is like, so yes, I, I like the fit a lot. I think that that's a great option for replacing a scorer like Westbrook and, you know, before that, I guess a scorer like Wall in some some eras. Um which is clearly what they needed because we saw that it doesn't really work a lot of the time last season when it's just Beal who's being depended on to to kind of carry the scoring load. And But then I immediately think like, okay, so they've got the, the high-scoring backcourt just like they did last season. Fat lot of help but did them 50% of the games, you know? Um, so I like the fit, but I, I think that once you have that in place, uh, which they do now – your immediate attention has to be like, okay, great. We can leave those two guys alone and trust them to do what they're going to do night in and night out. Our focus should be everybody else because that's where the Wizards have struggled the past few seasons. That's what's going to make the difference, I, th- I think, once you get those two those two guards in place. Um, the focus can't be on, for, for a guy like Wes Unseld, and I, I'm, I'm interested that he said, you know, our overall philosophy hasn't changed a ton when it comes to offense. Um I think the focus has to be on everybody else. How are you going to use Kuzma? Um, you know, is Rui going to continue developing a pace? Or it kind of needs, it almost feels like to me, and I know we harp on Rui forever and ever and ever, but the, the team needs to be developing him, not just on his trajectory, but like at a little bit of an advanced trajectory now for him to really be a difference maker that they need. Um, so that's that's always my first thought is like, great, you got your guy. That's a good fit. He seems kind of, I'm interested to see how those personalities are going to mesh. I don't know Spencer Dinwiddie that well, um, but he doesn't seem to be the big, you know, blustery force that Russell Westbrook was that did actually seem to work really, really well alongside Brad, who's a little quieter, a little bit more laid back. I'm interested to see how that kind of relationship works out. But to me, th- those guys are not the those guys are not the issue. And I think everybody who watches the Wizards would agree. Yeah. One of the things that. Yeah, I love that point. About the personalities, because one of the things I'm really interested to see what that's going to be. I like, know, yeah. right? Like one of the things that's really different about this year's team, and it's so the, the basketball changes are so obvious. There's a new coach, there's a new assistant coaching staff. Westbrook is gone. Dinwiddie's in. Kuzma's in. Harrell's in. KCP's in. Holiday's in. Kispert's in. Like there, are so many new players. Robin Lopez is gone, and Ish Smith is gone, and and. Uh, uh. Bongo went international. I mean, there, there, there are so many changes to the team that are obvious. Uh, but just you know, just being being around them as much as we are, which we just established, is way less than we've been in like any other season uh, in which NBA beat writers have covered an NBA team. Uh, but you know, we we talk to people and and we we get ideas of what's happening and that kind of stuff and. I mean, the personality of this team will be completely different because how many times last year did we talk about the fact that from a, you know, I thought Bradley Beal had a had a better season than Russell Westbrook last year. Clearly, I voted for Bradley Beal All-NBA. I didn't vote for Russell Westbrook, but 
I thought it was Russell Westbrook's team, like from a personality standpoint, you know, that was the guy they followed. And for good and for bad, if you have Westbrook on your team, he instills a personality into you. And mm-hmm. your head coach is responsible for a lot of your personality. Well, now there's new. Your assistant coach is responsible for a lot of your personality. And for the most part, at least all the guys at the top, they're one, two, three, four assistant head co- assistant coaches. Those guys are all new. So it's, it's uh, and now Westbrook is out. Dinwiddie is just a completely different personality type than Westbrook. I don't think you even need to know anything about Spencer Dinwiddie to know that he's a completely different personality type than Westbrook. Uh, just because I don't think anyone is Russell Westbrook's personality type. Right. I was going to say. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, it's just, I think they're from a personality standpoint, from a, from a, you know, a, a culture, I guess, standpoint, a chemistry standpoint, I'm not talking about better or worse. I'm just talking about this will be different. Even the guys who are staying, even the, the Beals and the Nettos and the Thomas Bryants, like all those, this is going to be a different new experience. They're going to have things to get used to, too, beyond just learning where Spencer Dinwiddie likes the ball on catch and shoots. You know, they're going to have actual personality things to learn. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Can I just tell you what goes through my mind every time now I hear Kuzma? Please. This is just, it's good. I, this is so bad. This is such a bad thing to retell on, on a podcast. But like during the bubble last year, there was, I can't remember, there was one game, but it was like the, the TNT guys were talking about Kuzma and Charles Barkley just goes, Carl Kuzma and Shaq like off screen in his voice. You just hear him off screen, just go, Carl, correct him. And I just think that every single time now, so I, I always in my mind, I'm like Carl Kuzma, like Charles Barkley, who like cannot talk right. I just, it just makes me giggle every time. I, I feel like I need to send you the gift because or the clip because it's so it just makes me they then just like continue to argue about like the pronunciation of his name for like a full minute and Charles is like I'm saying Kyle and Shaq's like no you're not you don't know how to speak English it was just it was a highlight of the bubble for me personally that's all I got for you what do you think of Kuzma's fit his fit like his uh outfits just kidding um well we I could do we could do a whole podcast I on those am fits excited to have his personality here like i'm said yeah it's gonna be even though all the other lakers reporters are like oh he's got personality what he wants to and like come on i get to talk about the hair i get to talk about the clothes it's gonna be fun um i think his fit is is interesting because he's done so many different things over his career already that i i mean he's kind of like a he's got a lot of different tools the wizards could use which is 
why I'm interested in how they're going to where and how they're going to fit him in because he can do a bunch of different stuff. I mean, he can basically do kind of whatever you ask him, um, but he's also all, always played with a really strong leader on his team, right? Someone who he can follow, who he kind of falls in line with. Um, and they've got a lot of forwards kind of stacked up on top of each other. So I'm, I'm very interested, one, how he gels with this roster um, in terms of like is he going to be a vocal guy? Is he going to kind of fall in line? Who does he fall in line behind with if he does that? And um, how they're going to kind of sort out this little this little forward melee they have here. For sure. It sounds like Unselled, for what it's worth, it sounds like he's a Kuzma fan because he called him a weapon to me. And then he said, Well, what's he going to say to you, Fred? Oh, that guy's a dud. <laughs> Like, come on. He's a very he's a very blunt weapon. Yeah, exactly. Okay. He's like uh, <laughs> he's, he's like the smallest hammer you could buy. Gonna bludgeon you over the head with Kuzma. at the nearest hardware <laughs> store. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he's a he's a weapon, but like a thumbtack. Yeah. Okay. Oh my god. <laughs> that, that was the quote. Uh, no, he says whether he, here's here's really why I think it sounds like he likes him. He says whether you want to call him a two, three, or four, he's gonna be out there. He's going to space the floor. He's going to mm-hmm. make shots. I think the game has moved away from the standard point guard, two guard, small forward, etc. I think you want to put your best matchups out there. And to me, you ask my what my how I interpret dynamic fit. I think when you ask about a guy and your and the coach says to you, I think you want to mm-hmm. put your best matchups out there and says he's going to be out there. Uh, you know, I I think we can interpret that as in this this forward melee which has Hachimura and Bertans and Kuzma and apparently 972 other players. Uh, I I think Kuzma's going to play. And I I think he's actually going to be relied on. And and I get that. I mean, he has experience playing the three. He's done it next to great players. I mean, he's played the three next to LeBron at the four and AD at the five. Mm -hmm. And look, if he were on last year's Wizards... If you just somehow just picked up Kyle Kuzma off the Lakers and placed him on the 2020-21 Wizards, he would have been their best perimeter defender. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Yeah, like he would have been easily their best perimeter defender. He's not now because KCP is better, but he would have been their best perimeter defender. I mean, he, he would have been tremendous. He would have started for them at the three, and he would have been tremendously important for them. And he's not a great shooter. But he'll hit them when he's open. He can create his own shot when he needs to. Uh, yeah, defenses will have to pay attention to him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're not just leaving him. And if you just leave him, then the Wizards will be fine with that. Take the damn shot. Uh, yeah. So I think I think Kuzma is going to play. And I just I got the impression when I was talking to Unsell that like I think I think he's a Kuzma guy. I think he likes Kuzma. I think he's excited about that. And uh, you know I don't know I don't know I have no idea what Wes Unseld's fashion sense is like, but, but, but maybe he'll be into those fits too. I don't know. Do like, who's a, who's an NBA coach, with a good fashion sense. NBA coach with good. Let's see. Who's like a really, I know there are them, but that's, what I mean, who's like a, who's that, who's, who would you even say has a definitive fashion sense? Also something else I'm wondering. They all wore KCP, polos. Does everybody call him KCP? That's what I'm saying. 
do his friends call him Kenny? <laughs> Kent? Anybody call him Ken? I'm interested to get to know these guys. Ken's. Oh my God, Kenny. You're like, you're like dribble handoff, screen, blah, blah, blah. Here's, and I'm like, what are their there, names and how do they address? There <laughs> is no way anyone calls Contavious Caldwell Pope Kenny. <laughs> Why? I just you don't. I bet. I bet. I bet somebody call. I bet somebody calls him Kenny. I bet like his grandma or something calls him Kenny. That that is that is great. I'm just gonna yeah, walk it could up be to him first day and be like, Ken, what's going on? Yeah, could could be, like, could, could, be could be one of the like because uh, it's it's a long first name, so it could be one of those mm-hmm. like middle syllable nicknames where like Tave could be one of oh. them. Okay, you know? I, I kind of like Tave actually. Yeah, Tavi. <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm sorry. What? Is, I'm so sorry. You were talking about real basketball things, and Tommy. I extremely was not. What is what is a wizard's take that you've just been dying to let out this last month that you have not been able to on a public platform, and you can say right now. I don't have any that I can let out on a public platform that I, that I can say now. I have many that I'm not going to let out on a public platform. What? And I have a lot of stupid thoughts about, about such as, do they, does anyone call Kentavious Caldwell Pope Kenny? What do you, what do you make of Tommy Shepard's off season? Oh, I, I mean, come on. Dude had a good off season. Um, I think everybody in the league is would agree with that. He flipped a really tough John Wall contract and then a really tough Russell Westbrook contract for really good stuff. Um, and I think he had Tommy Shepard had a shockingly good off season. I mean, he really made um, he really made a lot with that. But I but I wonder if that's what matters. Uh, it certainly matters a little bit, but well, no, it certainly matters a lot, but. But I, I don't know if it is the definitive thing that matters to Tommy Shepard's young tenure at the Wizards. Um, those were obviously the first kind of defining moves that he made, starting with the the Westbrook trade, and, and look what he turned it into. But I think there's bigger things to come that will determine, not necessarily how basketball people judge him, how people in the NBA judge him, um, but how Wizards people judge him, which I think is a bit unfair. But I think he's he's... It's it's interesting because I, I I wonder and I wonder your thoughts on this like if he if his reputation as GM kind of lives and dies with what happens with Brad obviously if he sticks around long enough he'll you know get to compile a uh, a resume that that isn't determined by that one thing but I really wonder if that's kind of what his early tenure here is staked on and staked to because uh, I don't necessarily think that's fair and I don't think it should be what he's judged on yeah it's interesting it's possible i don't really know the answer i've thought about it a lot i i to me i would i would rather judge my gm based on the culture he establishes and there was a lot of cultural things that needed fixing when he took over with the wizards and the ability to attract good free agents and that is not something that Tommy Shepard can do alone. It's something he has a lot of control over, but it's certainly not something he can do alone. But those are the two big things. Like, can you make the Wizards a destination? And um, can you kind of reverse the culture? So so what I will say is I think this era of Wizards, like the this era of Wizards front office leadership has to have some of its judgment 
based on whether or not they keep Beal. And the reason for that is because they've gone all in on keeping Mm Beal. So if if you completely yeah, that's the rubric they've set exactly that they are judging themselves based on that, they have to because they've gone all in on that being they put all their eggs in that basket. You know, I shouldn't say all their eggs. It's not like they've traded all their first round picks and all that stuff. 80, 80% of their eggs. They've put a good amount of, of their eggs. Like they're at the supermarket buying more eggs because they don't have very many eggs left because they're, okay, they're mostly in it, that Fred. basket. Jesus Christ. Oh my God. <laughs> so, so I think, I think in some ways they have to be judged by that because all of a sudden if, if they now have to trade Beal at the deadline because he doesn't want to be there and they get very little back for him or, you know, the absolute worst case scenario, he leaves in free agency and they get nothing back when a year ago they could have traded him for, you know, who knows what the deal would have actually been, but could have traded him for something ginormous, you know, some huge package of picks and young players that, you know, anybody would want, you know, that's, that is a a massive you know that is a that is a massive hit to your organization and and a serious setback from what could have been. But that being said, and that's that's not all. The reason I delineated Tommy Shepard from the Wizards front office is because there are other people there. I mean, there is there is a guy above Tommy Shepard uh, named Ted Leonsis who is hmm. is setting uh, kind of the tone and mission for the organization too. And if he wanted Beal traded, if he wanted to break it down. Guess what? Bradley Beal wouldn't wouldn't be there anymore. Uh, so so you know it comes down to I think more than Tommy Shepard in that sort of aspect too. It comes down to also Beonsis, and I think you kind of have to judge them more as a as a front office group because if if the owner wants to continue wants to keep his stars wants to continue to doesn't want to have a significant drop in the standings even if it's a drop from eight to fourteen as opposed to from two to 14 just doesn't want a significant drop in the standings then the gm's hands are are kind of tied in that sense too you know yeah i mean and and i guess the the good thing there is because i i keep thinking like you can still do everything in the world to try to keep your star and he can still just decide to walk like you you can you know like you put all your eggs in the basket and you say okay so we're gonna do this this and this but it's not like the wizards have radically i mean other than other than trading away John Wall, which is a, a big thing, but that was something that seemed to be heading down that road, aside from from Beal, anyways, um, in terms of what the franchise needed and the organization wanted from a bunch of different standpoints, at least what they've said, you know, publicly and privately. Da 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 da. Um, it's it's not like they've thrown everything away to make Beal happy. Like his interests were pretty aligned with the Wizards' interests too. He just said, I want to win. And they were like, okay, we will go out and do everything in our power to win or, you know, get you a little bit more love on national TV, Russell Westbrook. And and I, I really think it's it's really important that in that one season he was here, not only did they give them a nice play in chase, but he got them on national TV. He made them one of the more interesting teams in the NBA. I think Brad cares about those things also, which what NBA star wouldn't. Um, so it, it's not like they've completely thrown away the franchise to try to keep Beal. So I, well, yes, they definitely put all their eggs in one basket too. If, if, if he leaves now, I mean, shh, they're back at a square where they de- de- don't necessarily want to be, but they're not totally screwed. That's that's definitely true. They 
it's not like they're out there trading Rui and Denny for guys trading a bunch of picks. Right. 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 They, they, they haven't traded all their, they haven't traded two first rounders for miles Turner. They, they're not doing this as a matter of fact, when, you know, and I, I reported about it on the night of the, the Westbrook sign and trade the night that, that, that it really became official and they agreed to the five team deal. Like the nets were asking for major assets in return and they, they could have given in been like yeah sure mm-hmm. we'll we'll give you something of value and they they held out and instead you know this was yeah. the reason that they wanted their uh you know all those second round picks to begin with to be able to make this kind of stuff like i'll always remember because it haunted me that tommy shepherd referred to second round picks i think it was during his intro press conference over two years ago it was around when he got hired. He referred to second round picks as lubrication. And I'll always remember it because yeah. I just thought it was a gross quote, even though it's. Yeah, but that's also a great quote. It was it was accurate. And uh, mm-hmm. look, it was an example of a GM telling you exactly what his philosophy is, because look at how yeah. he compiled a bunch of second round picks. And when he had the first opportunity, look at how he decided to use them as uh, and it, as lubrication. Gross. But um I mean, that's a, hey, if it sticks in your mind, it's a good quote. But and but it's so it's going to be so weird covering these wizards this year because like, OK, yes, you say all that stuff, you know, good moves were made. But it just still feels like, no, it doesn't feel like it is. This team is in a holding pattern until Bradley Beal decides what he wants to do. They're not a particularly like sexy team. You know, they're not going to have what, a, a, a pair of national games on the schedule so far. So it's not nothing, but it's not like. They're like the buzz of the NBA. Like the main story with this team is still about Bradley Beal. And that kind of like leaves the organization and fans in a really weird, disinterested, semi-disinterested place. Like it's going to be interesting to watch how they come together and, and what they come together. But I don't know if NBA fans broadly care about that. Like Wizards fan care about that. But most people who watch the Wizards are also fans of the Like, I, you know, I think of the NBA as like a national thing not necessarily like a local beat or whatever. Um, so I, I still think this team is just, it's not a bad place to be in, but it's not a great place to be in. Yeah, they're they're still in the middle. They're, they're probably in about the same place they were last year. The problem is the East is way better. Yeah, right, exactly. If you're in the same place last year, that you were last year, which was also not a great place, and everybody else has gotten better, are you not, I mean, are you in the same place? Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, look. I think Charlotte's going to be better. They got Ubre, they got Plumlee, and way more importantly, Lamelo is going to be entering season two, and I could just see him showing up and being in- Lamelo and Kelly Ubre together is like, yeah, I'll be watching those games. <laughs> Lamelo's awesome. That's gonna be fun, man. He is so yeah. good, uh, and yeah. and he could like if he just shows up, he's all star caliber player. Like Charlotte's. Way better. Charlotte was one game worse than the Wizards last year. Charlotte's way better. Mm-hmm. And and LaMelo was hurt last year, too. I mean, if he's healthy and mm-hmm. he's, he's you know, a top seven or eight point guard, like that's that's a huge leap for them. Indiana had a million injuries, had a terrible coaching situation. Then they brought in Rick Carlisle, and you have to imagine they won't be the most injured team in the league this year like they arguably right. were last year. I mean, I feel like everything went disastrously for Boston. I don't really know what Boston is is doing this offseason. They have such a weird roster now and they just keep extending guys. 
yeah. it's such a weird off season. Uh, but like you know, Boston, I, I I just I don't see them being 500 this year, and and they were only two games better than the Wizards last year, and in the play-in range. I mean, Chicago at the expense of its future, and and, and you know gave up first-round pick for Demar Derozan, gave him 85 million dollars, but like they're. They're better. They got DeRozan and Lonzo Ball. They're they're going to be better. They're going to have Vucevic for the full season. Like they're going to be better than they were last year. It's just like there are a lot of these teams that were in the range of the play-in tournament. They they tried to get better and probably did. And 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 some of these teams, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's going to be the Knicks or the Hawks or the Heat will disappoint or the Celtics really will fall off or Indiana won't won't recover or whatever. Some of these teams are going to be worse than what I'm saying because I'm talking about them in the most optimistic way possible. But it's just some of them won't. Some of them will be even better than you think they're going to be coming in too. So I just I feel like the Wizards are in about the same spot. They're just somewhere in that play-in tournament range. I, I, I struggle to see them getting into the top six, uh, yeah. You know, which I know is their goal. They really don't want to be in the play-in tournament next year. Uh, but, you know... We'll see. It's too early for this anyway. This is the time of the NBA calendar where we just talk about nicknames for Contavious Caldwell Pope. For Tave Tave called Pope. Tavi. Tavi. Nta for Nta Caldwell Pope. You got got anything to... Just going to (laughs) say. You got anything to plug before we we wrap? Anything big at the post? No, it's late August. I don't have any. <laughs> I don't know. Man. I wrote one thing since I got back from the Olympics and it was like, here is the wizard schedule. <laughs> no, I'm excited. I'm actually, I am like, whereas last year we were coming off of that awful, awful bubble run from them. Um, and we had been doing the zoom thing for a while. I'm very, very like excited and invigorated to cover this new staff and this new group, of group of folks excited to see where, Thomas Bryant is Thomas Bryant. It'll be nice to have him back in terms of we'll have more people to talk to and there will be maybe a different energy. Um, he's supposed to be on track with his injury and everything like that. So I'm, I'm excited for excited for the NBA season to start in a little over a month here. I'm just, I'm excited for some time off for the first time in two years. That's what, that's what August is, dude. That's what I'm saying. I know. Well, note. I don't have anything to plug. <laughs> note, note to the listeners, by the way. Uh, this is my last podcast before I go on vacation. Uh, what is going to happen so that I'm going to be off for three weeks? What is going to happen? I'm actually going to take over the podcast. It's a coup. It, you weren't invited to. everyone to. to subscribe to the Washington Post. <laughs> <laughs> There's a special offer. You could listen to this podcast ad-free. You simply go to Amazon.com. No, I'm kidding. So so I am... Uh, what's going to happen is I'm not going to leave you guys hanging for three weeks. I'm going to pre-record two podcasts with uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Ben Standig. And oh, we're, we're going to record a couple of podcasts that that we're pretty confident will will just be good to go and, uh, you know, hold them. And, and we're going to do one uh, next week and then there will be a week with no podcast. And then I think one the following week and then there will be a week with no podcast. So that's the plan as of now. So look out for a couple of podcasts uh, starting next week, which will be pre-recorded, but I'm sure we'll still be good to go because it's the time of the year when what that uh, nothing consequential 
really happens at this time of year for the most part. And if, uh, you know, if the Wizards trade for LeBron James, I'll, I'll come out of vacation for a day and do a podcast. Hey, you know what? I probably won't. You're probably just going to have to wait for my LeBron James as a Wizards take in that case. Uh, <laughs> but you can subscribe to The Athletic in the meantime, theathletic.com slash Wizards After Dark. That'll get you a full subscription to The Athletic. For I believe there's a discounted rate up there right now. Uh, full subscription to The Athletic. This podcast and every other podcast we have at free. And when I say full subscription, I don't just mean Wizards coverage. I mean everything. It gets you your NBA, WNBA, MLB, NFL, NHL, all of our coverage, every single story that we have up there, Premier League, every single story that we put football. on the site. Yeah, you get your football stuff, every kind of football. No, not football. Like, yeah. Every kind of right. football. English football. All football. You get everything. You got your Aussie rules football. You got your Irish rugby league. It's going to be great. I don't know. I don't know if we cover the Irish Rugby League. You got college softball. <laughs> what are other sports? You got betting? You guys have a betting we thing? We do actually have that? that. We really do have a betting thing. That's true. I know. I see yeah. the little. I'm looking at the tab as we speak. You got the American Cornhole Championships. You got everything up there. It's a Honestly, you guys you guys absolutely would do a freaking thing on the American Cornhole Championships. I would That's I would like, do that. That would be up my alley. I I watched so much cornhole during the pandemic. It was like like I'm disgusted with myself to say that out loud. Okay, sorry, I keep talking. It's a good social distance sport. Mm-hmm. Keeps you far away from everybody. Keeps you more than three feet away from everybody. That's true. One meter. So sign up for The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Wizards After Dark, and you can sign up there. Tell your friends about Wizards After Dark. Leave a review. Write a review. Give us five stars. The written reviews uh, are always really helpful, uh, you know, wherever you happen to listen to the podcast, especially iTunes. Like I said, I will be back with a standing episode next week. I'll talk to you guys then. Bye.